I don't know exactly what the appendix does, but I know that if the appendix doesn't work, the body's pretty messed up, right? And so I might not know what the appendix does, and some of you are doctors, but you'll tell me later, and I'm grateful for the information. You know what I mean? But it's like, if it doesn't work, the whole body gets messed up. So here's the thing. God wants to use all of you. But the thing is, for a lot of you, like, well, don't pick me, God, but he's already calling you out, and you're just like, I don't want to go, and that's what you call rebellion. In a body, every part is connected to every other part. When your toe hurts, it's hard to think about or do anything else. When your appendix stops functioning, it's a medical emergency for the whole body. The church is the body of Christ. How are you playing your part? Because as Pastor Daniel will show you today, when you don't play your part, the whole body hurts. If you haven't been playing your part, it's time to get to work. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Judges chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Conquest Continues. All right, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 1, starting a brand new series that we're calling Arise in the book of Judges. So I'm hoping that you're bringing your Bible to church because books have not been outlawed yet. Okay, there's something so retro about those books. So bring your Bibles with you. If you've never read the book of Judges, don't know where it is, it is simply the seventh book in your Bible. You got the five books, we call them the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch if you like Greek, Torah if you like Hebrew. Most of us call them the five books of Moses. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and... Deuteronomy, you guys are amazing. We've studied them together like total biblical savages. Most people don't study Leviticus verse by verse, but we've done it here. And if you missed out, you can go watch it online. But hold on your hats. Leviticus is not for the faint of heart. Then, of course, you have the book of Joshua. And now here we are in the book of Judges. Now, chapter one, I'm calling this message the conquest Continues, and I want to put this in context. And so I realize as we start a new book, some people, you know, you haven't been tracking through all of this with us. The book of Judges takes us from the time that Joshua, who was the successor of Moses, from the time he goes home to be with the Lord until ultimately the children of Israel desire to be like the other nations and they want their own king. And then God, through the prophet Samuel, we see Saul and then, of course, King David and his son Solomon. But in this in-between period, we call it the period of the Judges because Unlike when Moses handed the baton to Joshua, there is no kind of de facto, this is going to be the next leader. And really, God didn't want them to have a leader because God was supposed to be their leader. But what we're going to find in the book of Judges, of course, is that there's a common line. It kind of makes the book of Judges pretty treacherous. If you ever read through the Bible, and I encourage you to do that, a lot of people get bogged down in the book of Judges because the repeated phrases, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what would happen is the children of Israel would live in a rebellious way to the Lord, and then the Lord would allow these nations that were still around to begin to press in on the children of Israel. And then they would find themselves being oppressed and under bondage, and then God would raise up a deliverer who we call a judge, and then God would use that man or woman to 
eradicate the oppressors and to give the children of Israel some safety. And then that person would leave for a while because God used them. But then that person would leave the scene and then the same cycle continues. The people would begin to do evil and then uh, they would rebel against God and then finally God would let these nations press in on them. And all of this is in fulfillment of all the the, the promises that we found specifically in the book of Deuteronomy that this is what was going to happen. And so we see this playing out in real time in the book of Judges. Now, what I think is also really important is to remember that when Joshua came into the land with the children of Israel, they took care of all the big stuff, the most important cities. But remember, Joshua said, there's still minor battles that you have to fight. And what I think is really powerful about this is it's really a beautiful picture of the Christian life. You have to realize that if you're, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, right? And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you surrender your life to Jesus and you trust in his death and resurrection on the cross, Jesus would say that you're born again, right? Now I remember, I didn't grow up in the church. I remember when I first put my faith and trust in Jesus and my next thought was, oh no, am I going to be one of those reborn Christians? It kind of sounds like a weird thing, you know? But what I realized is that's what Jesus calls it when he makes somebody spiritually alive who is dead, right? So if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then Jesus will continue to be born again. Now here's the thing. I realize that some of you right now, you're not born again. And I'll be honest with you. I'm going to put it out there. My motivation tonight is I want to make you born again. Now, I can't make anybody do anything, but I want to convince you that you should put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to convince you that Jesus is real. He did die on the cross for your sins. He did rise from the grave, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he ascended to heaven, sent to the right hand of the Father, sent forth his Holy Spirit. I want to give you the whole thing, and I want you to believe that tonight, okay? And if you already believe in Jesus, guess what? I want to convince you again that you're right for believing that, okay? Oh, a little golf clap. All right. But here's the thing. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God has already taken care of all the big things for you, right? So you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Guess what? Jesus took that death and he resurrected it. He made it alive again. So your sin nature, not just that you commit individual acts of sin or acts of rebellion, but the predisposition of your entire identity that is bent on rebellion, Jesus has broken that. That's a pretty huge thing. So sin is a big problem because it leads to death. Sin and death both conquered by Jesus. Not only that, he didn't just conquer sin and death. He's like, I'm not going to leave you the way you are. I'm going to fill you with my spirit so that you have an internal witness to transform you from the inside out. Guess what? Jesus did that as well. You had nothing to do with that, right? So between the cross, the empty tomb, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, Jesus took care of some pretty big things, wouldn't you say? Amen. He gives you purpose, meaning, identity, And not only that, not only does he deliver you from your sins, he delivers you into this amazing thing that's called church. Now listen, church isn't a building, church is people. Now don't get me wrong, church can be a kind of a mess. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now if you think not crossroads, you haven't been here long enough. Right? Church is messy. But there's only one way to be a Christian, and that's part of church. Because he doesn't say, I redeemed you. And I conquered sin and death in your life. And I filled you with my spirit. Now go do it by yourself. No, 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 no. He says, look, I want you to do this as part of a community. Right? And so all these things have been taken care of. But don't miss the fact that when Jesus takes care of all those things, there's still a bunch of skirmishes that you and I have to fight. Like, we all got our own stuff. You got your stuff. I got my stuff. Sometimes the stuff that you had 10 years ago... It's gone, and then there's a whole new set of stuff. I think it was the author John Steinbeck who said that every human's heart is like peeling back a layer of onions. There's always another layer, and they all come with tears. 
And for each one of us, although the big battles have been taken care of by Jesus, each one of us have skirmishes in front of us, situations and issues and struggles that you find yourself involved in. Am I the only one who knows what this is like? No. And if you're here today, like, I got no issues right now, praise God, and let's hope that tomorrow's the same. The picture here is that Joshua, God uses Joshua to bring the children of Israel in the promised land, and they take care of all the big battles. Jericho goes down. AI goes down. You know, all these things go on, but there's still little battles that they have to fight. And so what I want to remind you is that as a follower of Jesus, just because you've put your faith and trust in Jesus does not mean that you are exempt from the little battles. And I know that's like, you're like, come on, why wouldn't God just take care of all the battles? And listen, believe me, I asked that question myself. There's so many times I'm like, man, Lord, why can't I just eat all the Twinkies I want and not gain any weight? I mean, that's a battle, man. Because you know, if you eat one Twinkie, you're going to eat the whole box. Maybe I'm the, I'm the only one. You're like, I can only eat one. Because I'm like, I don't eat it. So listen, here's the thing. If you don't eat Twinkies, don't start. Because I don't want competition in the grocery store. I like going in there and getting what I want. Because every once in a while, someone comes to say, Pastor, and you always talk about Twinkies. And then I started eating them, and I ate the whole box. I'm like, I know. But it would be great, like, if that wasn't an issue, right? It'd be great if, like, you know, you could, you could just take one bite of Ben and Jerry's and not eat seven pints, right? It'd be really great if raising kids was easy, right? It'd be really great if marriage was easy. It'd be really great if no matter what job you chose and how you like to spend money, all your bills would get paid. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. But none of those things are real, right? We all live on this side of the Garden of Eden. So life's messy. But the beauty is, is what you find in the book of Judges and in a way of symbolism, what you find in your own life is that God wants to meet you at each skirmish that you find yourself in. And he wants to do a work of redemption. Not ultimate redemption, because that only comes through the cross and the finished work of Jesus. But really, that is ultimate redemption. But then in each situation of your life, there is a redemptive work that God wants to do. And what I want to tell you is because Jesus took care of the big things, you can hope in each one of those redemptive areas. And really for the children of Israel, now that Joshua is not there, the big battles were done, but he knew that because God was with them, they were going to be fine in the little battles. And I just want to stop there for a second. And I want to encourage you with that. Because I think for some of us right now, there's skirmishes in front of you and they're hard skirmishes. Like they're not easy right now. But you have to remember that at the cross and at the empty tomb and through the pouring out of the spirit, God started taking care of all the big stuff. And the battle you have in front of you is real. But because he's taking care of the big stuff, you can trust him in the skirmish that you're in. Amen? So I want you to be hopeful in that. And not hopeful that's going to work out the way that you think it will. Because that's a fool's errand, isn't it? You all realize that God almost never does what you think he should. Right? So I'm not saying be hopeful that the way you think it's going to work, it's going to work. It never works that way. No, every once in a while you get lucky. You're like, you're batting like, you know, zero five on this thing. Like one out of every 30 times maybe you get, you like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. But be hopeful that the skirmish that you're in right now, God wants to do a work of redemption in that area of your life. And he wants you to simply respond to Jesus in that area of your life and be a bright shining witness to what it means to trust Jesus in that area of your life. And that by going through what you're going through, God is going to 
do a transformational work in you. He's going to bear fruit in you through that skirmish. And you know how I know that? I guarantee you look back at all the battles you've been through. And if you trusted Jesus in them, aren't those the greatest areas of growth in your life? I mean, nobody grows the most on the sunny days. I mean, I love the sun like anyone else. But you never grow the most on the sunny days. You always grow when you go through the crucible of a trial and you find that Jesus is real. He's ever-present help in time of need. He is faithful and true. Isn't it true? And so as we're studying the book of Judges together, we want to make sure that we see not only the narrative of what's going on here, but we want to see it and apply it to our own lives where we live at street level and say, God is taking care of the big stuff through Jesus. And he's given me his spirit to empower me in all of these very real battles that are in front of me right now. Sound good? All right, let's jump into the text, shall we? Judges chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hands. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went up with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they fought against Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai Bezek fled and they pursued him and they caught him and they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, used to gather scraps under my table. And as I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem and there he died. Okay, I'm going to stop there for now. There's so much here. I'm literally not sure I'm going to make it through these seven verses. So I want you to notice first, now after the death of, no, I really do care about you guys, but you realize there's hundreds of opinions in this room right now, so we're just going to let this thing ride. Anyway, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, now I want you to stop there. Now, think about this. Joshua was the head of the children of Israel. God used this man who was discipled under Moses, who was with Moses when God met with the children of Israel in the most profound ways. He was out of the 12 spies that went into spy out the land. Only him and Caleb trusted the Lord. Even though the report of the promised land was extraordinary, Joshua and Caleb like, listen, yes, these are walled cities. These are huge people, you know, but God is with us. So Joshua was a faithful man. And then they watched God use Joshua to lead them to victory upon victory upon victory. Not that it was all easy, but they used him in a powerful way. And it'd be so easy to lean upon Joshua. But now you can see that Joshua really did his job well. You know why? Because now that Joshua's gone, they don't need Joshua. They're going right to the Lord themselves. Now here's the thing. You know what my goal as a pastor is? My goal as a pastor is that you don't need me. Because if you need me, I'm not doing my job well. Because what you need is to know that you can go to the Lord yourself. You have the Bible yourself. As a pastor, I'll do a good job if I teach you how to understand God's word for yourself. But I think what happens is for a lot of us, we begin to trust in people. And we begin to hope in people rather than hope upon the Lord. 
And you have to realize a good leader teaches you that you don't need them. You need Jesus. Now, here's the thing. All of you are leaders. Every single one of you. There's not one of you in this room. There's not one of you listening to this. Wherever you are, there's not one of you doesn't have a sphere of influence. And here's the thing. Don't make people need you. Make people know Jesus. Joshua, I love this. Joshua's gone. The people are like, I'm going to go to the Lord. And listen, go to the Lord. He is the all-knowing. He's the one with all the omni-adjectives, you know? He's the all-knowing one. He's the all-powerful one. He's the always-present one. If you are a born-again follower of Jesus, he has not only allowed you to be in his family, he set a place at his table that you're allowed to pull up and snuggle into the Lord at any time and ask him for whatever you need wisdom on, and he wants to give it to you. And listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't use people uniquely. I think God wants to use all of you uniquely. And very specifically. But the key is, is if you have Jesus, you don't need to rely on another person. That's why Jesus said, don't call anybody father. Don't call him rabbi. Why? Because you can all come to me. You are acceptable in the beloved. When Jesus said it is finished, that veil in the temple. Now remember in the temple there, there was the outer courts where anybody could go. But then there was the holy place where only the priest could go. And then there was the veil. And then there was the holy of holies. And the only person who could go in there was the high priest. And only first when an offering was given for him. And then he could go in once a year with the blood offering for the people. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, the veil of that, that separated the holy place from the holy, it ripped from top to bottom. I just always imagine what it was like for the priests who were there in the holy place. When that happened, they were just like, 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 except for the high priest, none of them had ever seen the Ark of the Covenant. No, they, they had been serving in the temple their entire lives, but they'd never seen this before. And you can imagine me like, what just happened? The reason it ripped from top to bottom is because God is saying, look, now there's open access to me. Because The high priest was a type and shadow of the great high priest, Jesus. And the blood offering on the day of Yom Kippur, that was a type and shadow of God's lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And because his blood was shed, his life was given, anyone who puts their faith and trust in him, you don't need a mediator because of Jesus, because Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. And if you're in Christ, you can go to the Father. You can come to God's word. You can say, Lord... You are my king. Speak to me. And I love the fact Joshua was gone. They need Joshua. They had the Lord. And that's proof to me that Joshua is an amazing leader. So listen, there are people in all of our lives. I think about my pastor in my own life, a man still to this day as somebody who I can lean on, somebody who I rely upon when I have questions, somebody who I can call. I have lots of people like that in my life. And I'm grateful for them, but we always going to need to make sure we don't elevate that person beyond where they're supposed to be. And it's a big problem in the body of Christ. Like where a pastor makes a bad mistake and then people fall away. That will only happen if you don't have your eyes on Jesus. Here's the thing. You should expect your leaders to be failures. You know why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not one perfect person. Now listen, I'm not trying to fail. I'm not confessing that I'm failing or anything like that. As far as I know, I'm, I mean, I'm messed up and Jesus is real. You know what I mean? 
But here's the thing. If you ever think that I'm going to not mess up, I'm definitely going to let you down. Because I believe in Jesus because I know that I mess up. And any leader messes up. And there's grace when we mess up. But listen, Jesus is the king. You can go to him. The spirit of God dwells in you if you're born again, just like anybody else. And so we have to make sure that we don't get that stuff kind of crooked. Isn't it true? It's real easy to get really focused on a person other than Jesus. And it always leads to issues, unfortunately. So they come to the Lord, and I love this. Lord, who shall, we're in verse one still. See, we're not getting anywhere today. (laughs) Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hands. Now, how cool is this? Could you ever imagine it was like they're seeking the Lord? Like, Lord, so which one of us tribes is going to go first? Who's going to get the first shot at this? And you can imagine someone being like, oh, pick me, Lord. Pick me. And the other ones be like, not me. Right? Now, it's a good reminder because some of us are zealous like that. Like, I'll do it. Doesn't be like, you know. Like, you know, it's like when you were in school and she was like, who's got the answer? There's always those kids who are like, me, me, me. I got the answer. Even if they don't have the answer, they have the answer. Right? Right? And then there's other people like, don't pick me at all. Right? And so there are different personality types, and some of you are gregarious, and some of you think you know everything. And there's others of you who just like, whatever you do, God, don't pick me. Right? Now, here's the thing. If you're like the whoever you are, God, whatever you're doing, don't pick me, I want to tell you that. I think God wants to use you especially. You know why? Because God loves to pick the people who don't think they're supposed to be picked. Why? Because if God always picks the person who thinks they should be picked, then when God does something, that person might be like, I did that. Of course I did. I'm so smart. Right? But if you don't want to be picked and God picks you, then you'll be able to say, man, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't even want to go. Right? And the Bible says that no flesh should glory in his presence. So listen, if you're the kind of people like, don't pick me, I think God's already picking you. But listen, if God's picked you, are you stepping out? Because this is what I found. I know that my Bible says that there's no such thing as like second-class Christians. There's just people who follow Jesus and people who don't. And there's no such thing as a part of God's family who's not part of the body. And guess what? Every part of your body's got a job to do. So there's no such thing as being a Christian and not having something that you're supposed to be doing in Jesus' name. Because, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know exactly what the appendix does. But I know that if the appendix doesn't work, the body's pretty messed up, right? And so I might not know what the appendix does. And some of you are doctors. You'll tell me later, and I'm grateful for the information. You know what I mean? But it's like... If it doesn't work, the whole body gets messed up. So here's the thing. God wants to use all of you. But the thing is, for a lot of you, like, well, don't pick me, God, but he's already calling you out, and you're just like, I don't want to go. And that's what you call rebellion. Jesus is The war has already been won, but you still have to fight the skirmishes. Today, Pastor Daniel showed us that the Christian life is a lot like the Israelites living in the Promised Land. The big battles were already won, but each tribe had to continue the fight until the land was pure. Just like this, the war for your soul has already been won, but you've got the small battles with sin for the time you still have here on earth. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. 
I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue the theme of the Christian life and the battles you still have to fight. Never forget that the battle always belongs to God. Your job is to show up and then watch Him show off. When you stand, God will bring the salvation. What battles are you fighting today? Remember that as you go, God is the one who brings deliverance. Come back to learn more about these skirmishes. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Arise. Until then, may God bless. <laughs>